What is going on, guys? Welcome officially to the second episode of Not Another Real Estate Podcast with your favorite host, Danielle Levy, team leader of Levy Real Estate Group. So on today's episode, I actually asked people on my social media what they want me to talk about on the next podcast, which is the one that we're doing right now. I appreciate you guys being so involved and, you know, asking me so many questions all the time. So I'm going to go ahead and go through a few of the responses. I received more than 50, so obviously I'm not going to go through every single topic in this episode. Not gonna lie, I obviously did receive a lot of inappropriate questions, so we're gonna skip through those. Okay, so with the first question, as a buyer, how do I know if a realtor has honest intentions towards me? The best way that I can explain this is by putting myself in the buyer's shoes. So I have worked with many different types of realtors, and even before I was licensed, I worked for realtors. And there's a lot of agents out there that just look at their clients as a transaction. And then there's some real estate agents that actually nurture the relationships with their clients, and that's how they end up receiving referrals, because obviously if you do well by one specific person they're going to refer you to somebody else you'll actually learn from realtors who have been in the business for 15 to 20 years even people who have been in the business for less than 10 years that are actually licensed that most of their business comes from referrals so actually nurturing your relationship with your client should be your number one priority. You'll find that if a real estate agent is being extremely pushy and they aren't really giving you the opportunity to actually think your decision over, that's a red flag. I always tell my clients, do your own due diligence. Just because you're hiring a popular realtor, you know, you see their their signs all over the lawns, billboards, they could have, you know, built their success just from lying, right? Like at the end of the day, you need to get to know the person. This is why client and agent relationship is it comes hand in hand. It's extremely important. All humans feel out different types of energy. You can have a coffee, dinner, buy your listing presentation with that specific agent and you can really feel out if they're genuine or not. Your biggest red flag when it comes to, you know, going on showings with a realtor they need to have a step-by-step process when it comes to buying. If they don't have their entire business organized and they don't show you, okay, this is the first step, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, this is how I'm gonna explain to you, between this time of us viewing properties, this is where they need to be a lot more careful with you, they have to be a lot more patient, they can't fast forward the deal. Another red flag when it comes to representing a buyer is if you find that your agent is trying to push you into submitting offers with no conditions, that's a red flag. When you're viewing homes and they love every single house, there's not one single problem with the house. That's another red flag right there for you. My main concerns would be if I was a buyer and I was being forced to put in offers on houses that I didn't want, if I felt like I was being rushed, if I feel like the contract's not being explained to me in detail, and personally, I would want my agent to have a step-by-step booklet explaining to me how the buying process goes, which is exactly what I do for all my clients. I'm all about organization. Part of my buyer's booklet that I introduce to all my new buyer clients is I work with the same people, the same lawyers, mortgage brokers, stagers, home inspectors. We are all in the same loop and we are all there for my specific client to make the process stress-free. I have never had a client come to me and say, I felt like I was pushed to buy this. I even make them feel at ease when there's bidding wars. And trust me when I say that 
makes the process a lot more stressful. It is my job to cater and nurture each one of my client relationships. I want my buyer to go to all their friends and family and be like, I just worked with the most amazing realtor and she made this entire process incredible for me. Selling and buying real estate is not a cheap experience. Even though you're not paying commission as the buyer, closing fees are really, really expensive. My advice to you, if you're in the market to buy and you haven't picked a realtor yet, interview a few of them. You know, start reading about them on their websites. Look at how they do their business on social media. Uh, see if they have any videos that they post, any podcasts, anything like that. And then pick three or four, interview them, but get to know them. Actually try and build a relationship with them. And trust me, from there, you'll be able to tell who's genuine or not. A few factors that you need to consider when hiring someone is knowledge. You have to make sure that your realtor is actually relevant in the real estate market. Like a lot of these realtors get their license and they're not educated. They need to know what's going on in the market. You have to make sure that they're the ones that are putting together the contract, okay? The actual offer, because a lot of the times they send it to their receptionist to do it. You want them to break down schedule a for you what conditions are they putting in explain every single clause i don't recommend that you go in there blindsided you know they send you an offer you set you sign it on DocuSign with no explanation like why would you even sign a contract without reviewing it because i can guarantee you that you're not going to have enough time to take that contract bring it to your lawyer to review for them to break it down to you a realtor should be able to explain contracts to you this is an argument that i have with realtors all the time they're saying oh you just have to be good at sales to make money in the industry you don't actually need to know anything about real estate that's wrong because you actually have to bring value to your clients knowledge is absolute key when you're hiring someone to represent you in such a large transaction rather you're selling buying it doesn't really matter they just need to be smart and they need to know exactly what's going on in the real estate market another thing that i actually wanted to mention is i actually received a new buyer client from a bad experience that she had with another realtor she's probably going to see this episode and she's going to be happy that i mentioned it but um there are different conditions that go in for condos and houses you know my new buyer client had a really bad experience with this realtor she was working with for four months she actually recently came to me a few weeks ago and she told me that she was pressured to put in offers on houses that she didn't even like homes that were over 50 years old with no home inspection and condos with no status certificate conditions all these things that could have caused her problems after closing that's why it's extremely relevant to go through all the clauses and conditions that you put in schedule a when you're putting in offers and you know working with investors as well when you're buying triplexes multiplexes certain things certain documents that you actually need to get from the seller agent the sellers that's why i'm saying that the buying process isn't simple it's not just like going online searching up a realtor okay this one looks kind of popular because they're posting a lot of ads of themselves and then kind of just trusting them with the biggest transaction of your life. I really hope that I was able to answer your question in terms of finding a realtor to represent you for the buying process. I wouldn't want anyone to be in a very horrible situation and I really hope that you can find an agent that works well with you because your relationship with that specific person has to match up. It's literally like going on a date with someone. I'm going to be completely honest with you. You need to feel good. You need to trust the person. That's a exactly how you'll be able to pick the right person for you next question why should an investor listen to your podcast as compared to someone with experience this is actually one of my favorite things to explain because i'm only 26 years old so age and experience has nothing to do with one another there could be a realtor 
that has been licensed for 10, 20 years that has done less deals than me. I've obviously been licensed for less than 10 years. I'm 26 years old. Prior to getting my real estate license, I worked for teams. I worked for broker of records. I managed realtors. I trained realtors. I knew how to do offers better than realtors for commercial and residential sales. I was the backbone of the brokerage that I still work for. I micromanaged so many different agents and taught them how to put together contracts and understand contracts and understand social media. As we all know, the world is evolving, so it's better to jump on the bandwagon. I've managed to build a brand in such a short period of time that's made me explode to a point where I can walk down the streets and people know who I am because of the content that I put out there. I don't put out inappropriate content. I put out knowledge, information. I talk in my videos. With that being said, I think I should just leave it there. I'm pretty sure I, I explained myself the best way that I possibly can, that there is no comparison. I've done commercial deals, commercial sales. I've done so many different unique residential sales. I can't even begin to tell you whether I'm working with first-time homebuyers or investors. And then I look at some of these agents that are my parents' age, that have been in the industry for so long, that I've done less than 40 deals. I'm personally not going to start a podcast with no knowledge, right? I mean, you guys can decide if this is something that you want to listen to or not. And if you want to take my advice, no one's forcing you to listen to this podcast. I'm not offended by your question, but I, I don't think that you should put age and experience on the same scale. Personally, I think I outdid myself compared to so many other people that I've, I've worked for for many, many years. And I am proof of that. I am proof that I have more experience, even with being such a young person in the industry. The next question I have here is, how are you currently finding the market? So today is what, November 23rd, 2022. Sales have been down more than 20% since February 2022. We all know that we were in a crazy heated market starting in January, actually really December 2021. I've noticed that condos have been the most transacted type of real estate in the last six months. And in Toronto, sales have been up 2% year over year. Some pockets in Ontario feel like they've been untouched. So there hasn't been much movement. And then there's some pockets in Ontario where it's like nothing's changed. Things are sold conditional in less than 20 days. Overall, the average home prices in Ontario decreased by 9% year over year. And then in Toronto, it was 6%. It went down 6%. Mississauga was only down by 1% year over year, which I actually felt. I did a lot of showings out there and there weren't that many deals that were happening. In Brampton, it's been down 8% and Hamilton 9% year over year. That doesn't mean that in every pocket in Hamilton, every pocket in Toronto, and so forth, that there's no competition, that it's competition free. I get that a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, it's a buyer's market, this, that. I'll be honest with you, like, I'll be looking in Peel region, for example, and I'll be looking specifically for a condo townhouse. And everything that I'm looking at has been sitting for less than a month, and it's already sold conditional. So there is some sort of pressure depending on what you're looking for. Every transaction is different. There are some properties that are flying off the market. Every buyer is looking for something in specific. You can't look at every single deal as if it's the same. Are there a lot of opportunities right now as a buyer? Yes, 100%. Is it impossible for sellers? 
dollars to get the the money that they want for their house no it's not impossible they just have to be a lot more reasonable what people need to understand is the prices that they were seeing in the beginning of the year in january and february even in the beginning of march and the end of december of 2021 were fake inflated prices and i'll keep saying this i've noticed that a lot of the great properties that investors are after are gone within the first week i find that a lot of properties have been sitting on the market for more than 80 days because these agents are taking these properties and listing them for crazy amounts of money and and i don't think that these sellers are going to see this type of money because we're already going down in terms of our housing market going through a serious correction as i mentioned before it takes a while for interest rates to take effect so if they're raising interest rates let's say one day by 0.75 basis points it's going to take a few months for it to actually kick in for people to feel the difference in the market we have a shortage in inventory which is is not good for buyers because there's a lot of people that do want to go ahead and buy they're locked into a rate that they got a few months back that expires soon so they're kind of they have that pressure to find something overall i do think that if you find something that's beneficial for you that in the beginning of the year you were looking for things and you weren't able to purchase anything because the bidding wars were out of control i can't justify putting in an offer for my client firm you know what I mean? Like you couldn't put in conditions like you can now. And that is what I value the most. The fact that you can put in conditions now in an offer, I thought that I would never see that again. I wasn't really working with buyers in the beginning of the year because I was telling them all to wait. So now I'm working with all those buyers that wanted to buy in the beginning of the year. And now like it's, it's a lot more easier because they're not pressured. It's like, okay, we can book this appointment on Wednesday. We don't have to go right away because it's not going to be sold within the first two hours of being late. I don't know how people were actually going in with firm offers. Like people were actually submitting offers for condos without status certificate, overpaying for homes and appraisals not coming in, having to pay the difference. Those buyers are experiencing extreme buyer's remorse because I saw a house that sold for 1.4 million and now these sellers can't even get 980 for it. Like imagine being in that position that your realtor was forcing you to put in offers in a seller's market when you could have waited six months down the line and you could have gotten something for three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars cheaper. A lot of these buyers were also not experienced buyers. This isn't like their second, third properties. Then you have all these investors that were waiting for this market correction to happen so they can buy everything up. And this is the problem because then you have all these first time home buyers. And not only that, they got variable mortgages instead of fixed. So not only did they overpay for their house, but now they're overpaying for their mortgage in this specific market. Market, if you're going to list a house, it has to be for market value price. You have to do a really detailed analysis and you have to be looking at sales in the last two months. The thing is, the market trends are a little bit difficult to comprehend because month over month, they've been changing drastically. Your realtor has to put in a lot of work into listings now. You have to make sure they have a big database. They have a big social network. Is, is your listing going to be blasted absolutely everywhere? It has to get the most reach as possible. What are these realtors doing for your listing? Number one, they have to have a really big brand. So they have to be big on socials. What are they doing? doing to spice up your listing? Are they installing pot lights? Are they repainting? Are they staging? What kind of marketing are they doing? What kind of cool videos and photos? What ideas do they have to actually offer you? So you have to consider all these things in a dying market. So obviously sellers have had a lot more difficulty and these are the things that you have to look out for. And of course, 
you know, you have to match up with the same expectations as your realtor. If I give my client an exact market value of their property, I'm not going to take on their listing if they think that they're going to get way more. It just, it wouldn't make sense, right? I will do everything in my power to make sure that it sells for market value for the right amount, but I am not promising anyone January and February, March prices. I'm not doing that because that ship sailed and those were fake prices. You don't want to be in a situation where you're selling a property for over market value, the appraisal doesn't come in, and the property doesn't even close. Forget the sold over asking bullshit. You want to sell for market value, you want to sell for a good price, and you want to have a good realtor represent you that's not going to screw you over at the end of the transaction. That's what's going on right now in the market. And in terms of buyers in this market, they just need to do their due diligence and try and get away with as many conditions as they possibly can. It's also very important to look at areas where they have really good resale value as well. Don't let your realtor take you to a shitty complex where you buy a property that's appreciated like 0.1% in value in the last five years. Whatever you buy, even if it's a place that you're going to live in in the next 10 years, you want to make sure that it's a great area because location, location, location. So just to sum up this question, sellers, don't worry. Um, There are still homes that are selling in less than seven days. Your property can be unique to a specific type of buyer. If you're listed for a good amount, if your listing is, is being taken care of and there's a lot of effort that's being put into actually putting your house for sale, you're gonna get the amount that you want. People are selling low, but they're also buying low. So there there are deals everywhere at the end of the day. And buyers, if you can find something with this low inventory situation that we have going on, and it's something that you really love and you can get it for a deal, don't look at the mortgage payments. Trust me, if you actually break down the numbers, it, it, there really isn't that much of a difference compared to if you were, you would have gotten a variable rate in March. Honestly, we're all hoping for the best right now. I personally didn't think that the market we had in the beginning of the year was a healthy market. It may have been great for some sellers, but you know, a lot of sellers didn't come out happy at the very end. At the end of the day, a lot of properties didn't end up closing and people had to resell. The main goal... I trade in the Ontario real estate market, but the main goal is to help Canadians get into the real estate market, is to help make housing affordable. I want to get into pre-construction as well. I just feel like that should be for a different episode because there's too much detail that needs to actually go into that, as well as getting into the actual stats of the year-over-year and month-over-month market trends. That should also be put into a separate episode as well because I would like to break down everything that's been happening from 2021 Uh, going into 2023 as well okay so the next question we have here is can i touch up on the market going into 2023 in my next reel i can just put it into the podcast instead of turning it into a video so as you know we have another rate hike coming at the end of december i don't know the exact date or by how many basis points it's going to go up obviously as i mentioned before You know, it takes some time to actually feel these rate hikes in the market for you actually to feel it in the housing market and and what it's doing to prices. What does it mean when there's going to be a rate hike? Obviously, prices will drop. I don't know by how much. I don't know how drastic it's actually going to be. Inflation is still very high. We're at 7% right now, 6.97%. In September, we were at 6.8%. To put things into perspective, last November, inflation was at 4%. In order to keep a stable, healthy, growing economy, we're trying to get inflation to 2%. So as long as inflation keeps going up, so will interest rates. With that being said, they're hoping by 2024, 2025, things will start to go back to normal and inflation will be reduced to 2%. So in the process of that, there's a lot of people 
people that are saving in between inflation going up, which reduces our purchasing power and makes it a little bit harder to reach our goals due to the fact that our money is worth absolutely nothing. I've actually mentioned in another video, I'm not sure if you guys follow my TikTok page, but I think that going into the new year, we're going to experience a double dip recession. Essentially what a double dip recession is, you kind of experience a baby recovery. So it's kind of like putting a band-aid over the economy. So it feels like things are kind of going back to normal, but then we go straight back into a recession. So I feel like that's what's going to happen within the new year. Um, I don't know what that's going to do for people in terms of buying real estate for that short period of time. I don't know how long that will last. Does that mean that, you know, sellers will have the upper hand again and then buyers are going to have to experience the nonsense that they experienced at the beginning of the year in terms of the bidding wars and not being able to get away with conditions? It's probably going to change things for sellers and buyers in the housing market 100% because the minute people start seeing that things are changing up in terms of how properties are being treated once they're listed versus the buyers and not being able to get away with conditions, truthfully, I really hate to say it, but a lot of people are sheep. And what I never understood is why is it that buyers attack and they buy when everyone else is buying like wouldn't you want to buy when everyone else is not buying so I do see something happening like that in in the new year but I don't think that it's going to last for very long if you guys want to look into the double dip recession it's actually a thing and it doesn't happen so often it'll blow your freaking mind the worst thing that a buyer can do especially right now in a time like this you'll notice that a lot of buyers in the new year will miss their boat they'll miss their opportunity this is what happens when people think that they have experience in the real estate market and they can time the market on their own. They tend to get a lot of their information from clickbait articles. And these articles are meant to scare sellers. They're meant to scare buyers. So there will be a lot of people that will miss out on opportunities. And it's going to be the same people who don't miss out on opportunities. The rich and the investors that buy everything up in recessions. You'll find the majority of people will be purchasing property again when bidding wars will start. And they'll be overpaying just like they did in January, February, and March. It doesn't matter what I say. I can give all the advice that I possibly can. And, you know, I've been giving advice for the last six months to buyers, to sellers, and they don't take my advice. And they come to me six months down the line saying you were right. But at that point, it's already too late. People at the end of the day will, will do what's right for them. And I just leave it at that. Okay, so next question. It's not really a question, but it says cap rates on commercial real estate. So depending on property type and the area, a good range for cap rates for commercial real estate is between 4 and 12%. The greatest thing about calculating cap rates for your specific property, if you intend on selling your commercial property... The best way, obviously, is to look at other solds in the area and base it on the cap rates that they're selling for. If the cap rate of the property that you're selling is below the comparable sales, it might be overvalued. If the cap rate is above that of the similar properties that have sold in that specific area, the property might be undervalued. It's important to do as much research as you possibly can before listing a property and just throwing out a cap rate there. You're not always going to match up with the same type of cap rate for every property because every property is unique, but you have to you know, do your due diligence on why the property is being valued the way it is. So having a good cap rate for your 
investment will have a wide range. So that all really depends on your investing strategy, where you're choosing to purchase, and many other factors. Your cap rate should always be greater than your cost of financing. Any expenses related to debt, so your mortgage is not included in actually calculating your cap rate calculation. So the rental property mortgage, the interest payments, they're not included because the calculation focuses on the property only and not the financing involving to obtain it. This allows you to focus more on the worth of the actual property without considering the complications of accounting for different financing methods. Cap rate is a convenient way to calculate the measure of how the market values a specific type of property. So this could be a multiplex, it could be a duplex, a triplex. It doesn't have to be a multiplex with 60 units like you can actually do it with a duplex as well it doesn't have to just be a commercial property it could be residential as well it's technically only applicable to income generating properties cap rates are not useful for people who are buying single family residential homes that are not generating income at that point you're only looking at the resale appreciation potential that the property actually has anyway i think it's a great type of episode to get into to talk about ROI, cap rates, why we use cap rates to calculate properties that generate lots of income. I use cap rates all the time when I'm taking out my investors and I put together performance spreadsheets. So, you know, I've done them for triplexes, duplexes, uh, multiplexes with more than 30 units, which was fun breaking down the um, purchase price for each door. There's a lot of realtors. <laughs> they'll take out their clients and they'll they'll help them find their second, third property that they're buying for an investment. So obviously they're looking for properties that are going to generate them tons of income. Um, if they have two tenants in there, four families, whatever the case may be, and they'll basically just look at comparables. So they'll look at sale comparables before they purchase, and they'll look at rental comparables in the area. They have to look at the complete breakdown of everything. They have to even calculate the expenses. First-time home buyers turn into investors. First-time home buyers are investors because you're purchasing a property. Sorry to break it to you, but it's an investment. And that's why I always say I help people build wealth through real estate because if you're buying your first property off of me, buckle up because you're going to be buying a few more if you're going to be working with me because I'm going to make you rich from owning real estate. Okie dokes, on to the next question. So uh, I have a question here. It says, what are the benefits of home inspections and do I always need to put it as a condition in my offer? Is it okay if I go ahead and submit one without it? To be quite frank, not every single property needs to do a home inspection. Personally, if I'm listing a property, I may, not for all sellers, but order a home inspection so I have it on hand. It just you know, it speeds up the process in case the person does want to have a home inspection in there. It's like, oh, okay, I already paid for one. Not every home needs it because you may go view a property that was literally built two years ago, right? Or they may have took an occupancy of it a year ago. You know, you may go on a showing and see that there's an issue with the foundation of the home. Or you may look at the electrical or the plumbing and you may suspect a few issues in the house. If a home is older than, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and you'd feel more comfortable putting in a home inspection condition, I agree 100% do it, especially with homes that have been around for over 100 years. Even in really popular areas like Forest Hill, those homes have been around for a very long time and I obviously always highly recommend people put in home inspection conditions. The last thing you want is to take occupancy. You know, you have this beautiful home that you've been waiting to move into and then you have 19 problems, okay? You've already spent so much money. You just purchased a house with a very big down payment. Closing costs are extremely expensive. You bought all this new furniture, the moving truck, 
Anyway, I don't have to break down every single closing cost for you, but you already know that you don't want to deal with the headache of fixing the dishwasher, the plumbing, the electric, the foundation. Your best bet is to find a home inspector through a professional association. Make sure that they're qualified. It is very important to make sure that you get people to show you their, that they're licensed, that they're actually able to inspect your home, that they're giving you proper professional advice. Finding a property that's in good condition should be your number one priority because you want to avoid dealing with all the repairs. With that being said, obviously home inspection is as important as putting in a finance condition because at the end of the day, it's, it's money that's coming out of your pocket and you need to be selfish when it comes to these types of investments because you are your own number one priority you have to take care of yourself and it is your realtor's job to guide you into the right direction okay next question and i think this will be the last so this person wants to know if it's possible to be a sensitive person in this industry absolutely not in order to be in a sales industry not even just real estate related you need to have thick skin Actually, real estate being the worst. It's extremely cutthroat, extremely competitive, and extremely cruel. The minute you start doing really well, people will try and tear you apart and bring you to the ground. I've experienced my fair share of bullying and harassment, and it continuously still happens to me. It did in the beginning, and it's even worse now. People are mean, and they don't want to see other people doing well because that's just humanity at the end of the day. Also, if you plan on marketing and building an organic reach, organic clientele, you have to do old school marketing, which involves you being treated like shit left and right. If you're cold calling and you're door knocking, don't expect people to kiss your feet and be like, yeah, come in. Of course you can sell my house. It's the complete opposite of that. You'll experience a lot more failure than anything positive in this industry. Keep in mind you're competing against thousands and thousands of other realtors that are promoting themselves pretty much the same way that you are you have to find ways to make yourself stand out at the end of the day and let's say you do end up getting the listing compared to the other nine people that also tried to get that listing you're going to be harassed your sign might be beaten down you might receive threatening calls from blocked numbers like all these things happen I listed properties up north and I'm part of Treb. I can, I can trade real estate anywhere in Ontario legally. And when I got listings in the Simcoe region, instead of York region, Peel, Durham, they were breaking down my sign. They were showing up at four in the morning, taking down my sign, which ended up getting really expensive for me because my poles and my signs were not cheap. I was receiving phone calls late at night saying that I'm a loser to stay out of a specific area. I get threatening messages on my social media all the time saying, who do I think I am putting out information? These people are jealous. So that's that's the thing. If you're making more money than other people, if you're more successful, if people are gravitated towards you over them, they'll try and destroy you. So to answer that question, no, you can't be sensitive in this field because you need to be somewhat bulletproof. People think because I'm a female, which is extremely sexist and it really pisses me off, but they think because I'm a female that I can't handle the stress that real estate comes with and I can't handle the aggressiveness. I'm a shark. Like, I'll rip through literally anyone and anything. I'm not phased by people's comments. I've been bullied my whole life. I've been harassed my whole life. So for me, it's like, okay, I guess I'm just being harassed and bullied in my field now. It's just a little bit different. I, from my experiences through life, I've, 
I've been able to grow thick skin and I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very happy that I am who I am today because I don't let things phase me. I have people that are licensed that come to me all the time saying, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how you go on camera. I don't know how you speak. I'm so nervous that people are going to think this. People are going to think that of me. You're not going to get anywhere in this career if you're so focused on what other people are doing and what they think about you. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I won't be doing these episodes alone. This one, it's kind of like a Q&A. So it was, it was alone. I did this one alone. I really appreciate everyone that's been following me, supporting me, and that's been waiting for me to actually come out with this podcast. I hope that it's actually going to bring value to people. I'm going to aim and try and do an episode a week. Uh, if it's going to be alone, it's going to be alone. But I, I plan on having many guests on the podcast and there will be a camera involved. Uh, this one is just sweet and simple and I'm pretty sure I've put in a lot of information in this one even though it's 10 minutes. Anyway, thank you and I hope to see you here again.